Hello. Hello, everyone. Morning. Michael. Morning. Oh, there you are. You're back. You're back. Right, everyone. Good morning to a Singivio live stream event from my top floor. And um, we have a few of our, a few of our team aren't very well today, I'm afraid. So they're not actually, um, they're not around. But we have Doug in Scotland. As you can see, I'm on the, this is me on the beach. This is the closest I'm going <laughs> to We have Daniel Elia. Of, uh, we have Marcus and we have Mark. Oh, look, and Mike, Marcus is also on the beach. Good I'm on the beach. <laughs> and we've got, and we've got, um, and we have a very special guest today uh, that we have by, by popular demand. Michael, although your camera seems to be going a bit funny, that's it, you're back. By popular demand, it's a bit like the Graham Norton show. He always gets back guests, if you've noticed, on a repeating basis every time they want to. Um, they've got a new film to promote. So I don't know if, Michael, if you've got a new film to promote or not. No. No. Okay. But anyway, Michael Metlis of Berwin, of Brian Cave, Leighton Paisner, everyone. So let's, let's hear it for Michael. Let's hear it for Michael. Okay. Thank you. Come on, more. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, enough, everyone. Enough, everyone. Okay. Now... Um, there's actually, before we start, there's a couple of, um, couple of things I want to mention. So the first thing is, is that poor old Dale, our very own Dale, where is he? I've got, I've got a picture of him somewhere. Our, our very own Dale is unfortunately um, not very well. He's actually gone down with the virus. So he's actually down with the coronavirus, of all things, which is a great shame because, as you know, he was all geared up to do his big fight this year where he was going to fight for the charity. And unfortunately, he had to cancel because the event got cancelled, which is a great shame because he spent all this time training. So we wish Dale better. I assume he's watching. You bet if he's not watching, I'll kill him. He's probably running up the stairs right now, punching the air. Okay, and then Graham's not very well either today. Um, so we're all getting a hit. So let me go through a few formalities with you. Right, first of all, remember, seeing of our live streams, we are CPD accredited. If you want to get a CPD certificate, contact the office um, after um, the event, and we will send you a CPD certificate. The next thing is, if you sign up to our YouTube channel, you will get automatic notifications every time we hold an event or a property goes, um, goes live. Oh, Michael's back twice. Yeah, I'll try to use my phone. I think your phone's better, yeah. I think your phone's better, Michael. They, they, then you can sign up on Facebook and you'll receive notifications of everything in the future. So just follow us on Facebook, on your Facebook page. You can sign up for on-screen notifications. If you go to sales.com, bottom left, you'll see a little red circle. Click the red circle. It will say, do you want to follow? Say yes, and, we'll, and you'll get lots of notifications from us. Um, now, the other thing is, People who are watching on Zoom, you can, if I'm going to, you can actually interact with us and you can actually chat. So I'll be able to see who's chatting and I can answer questions. I can even, if you actually want to join live as one of the um, panelists and you've got something to say, oh, you're not too shy, try, try and catch my attention with a message and I'll invite you to join us live. Um, 
And I think that is about... Yes, and if you've got any topics you want to discuss, again, look, I've got a chat here. Who's the first chat from? I can see. Oh, that's a test. Right. So all you have to do is send us a message and then you'll be, you'll join the chat. Now, there's a couple of things I just wanted to mention very quickly at the beginning. Look, we're not going to talk about property today because it's quite funny. We've, had, we've got so many deals going on at the moment that I can't... <laughs> So it would, it would take up most of the hour. So what we're going to do is we're going to, we're not going to talk about property. We're going to make this a bit more lighthearted and we're going to talk about law with our friend Michael Mellis. Before we start, two things. Number one, I did mention a few weeks ago that um, we are offering our software of click to purchase for free. If anybody would like to use click to purchase um, at the moment to help them do some business, We'll be very happy to give it to you for free whilst this coronavirus situation is ongoing. And uh, in fact, Savills in Ireland are using it. So if you want to buy a property in Ireland, um, quickly get online, go to Savills' website and you can buy something this afternoon. The second thing is we are, uh, this is just a bit of a plug for the agency, we are our agency. We are looking for new franchisees, associates, consultants, agents, etc. So if you are interested in talking to me or a member of the team after any time, please give us a call. We want to talk to you. So that is the um that the um the introduction. Uh, now Michael Metlis is our guest today. I think I wanted to share a screenshot with you actually. <laughs> I did have somewhere. Yeah. I did have somewhere um, a the, the the page page for for Michael Metlis. Oh, it's and it said where is it? It said something like he likes to lecture to uh, conferences and um, other events. I think that's right. Isn't it? Isn't it the bottom of your page on Brian Cave? Something like that. You hear that? Yeah. So anyway, so he's a bit of an expert, Michael. We're talking law today. Sorry, I miss. I. Oh, is that? Say that again. Is that the gardener again? Um, no, it's a cardo. We're talking. <laughs> we're talking law again. So I'm going to just set the scene. Let me just set the scene. Okay, that's it. So here we are at the Royal Court of Justice, as you can see. And Michael, you're going to. Give us a couple of questions. Oh, actually, should we get, do you want to give a bit, a bit of background about who you are for, for the odd person who doesn't know you? Um, I'm, I'm a solicitor and I've, I've been practicing for about 30 years and I specialize. Yeah, that's, I still haven't got it right. <laughs> and, uh, and I specialize in property, what used to be called property litigation. So it's, uh, it's now called real estate disputes or dispute resolution. So it's advising mainly landlords, commercial landlords about asset management, landlord and tenant issues. Okay. So institutional landlords. So, so a lot of big names over the years. Big and uh, and the firm I'm at, uh, Berwyn Lane, what are they called? Uh, B uh, Brian Cave Leighton Paisner, following a US merger between Brian 
Berwyn Leighton Paisner and Brian Cave, who are American firm, we're now called BCLP. And uh, probably one of the two big, probably the biggest property firm in in the in uh, in England and Wales, along really, with you really yes, yeah. yeah. It was always BLP and, and the bar to the two biggest. And the bars are now part of CMS. I don't know what the uh, Cameron McCall. I'm not sure what they're called. No, it's because nobody wants to drop their name. So those are the two big firms: CMS and, and BLP, as was. Okay. Good. Right. So last time yeah. we, we had a bit of a we had quite a fun time last time. You we did. And you tested our knowledge. We yeah. Well, it's a it's a quiz. It's not really testing knowledge. It's um. It's more instinct. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Instinct. And so, um, like I say, we can talk property deals later, but as we all want, as yes. we want to cheer each other up, yeah, have a bit of fun, don't we? We'll have a bit of fun. Let's, um, what you're going to do, you're going to go through five scenarios. Is that right? I thought, is this the workout? So we've got to warm up <laughs> and then, <laughs> what? <laughs> I did one of those last night, actually. I thought you were, you don't look like you're dressed for a, war, a workout. No, no, I, I thought I have a bit of style today. Look, you noticed that. See? There's, I think there's been a bit of a misunderstanding. I hope your clients aren't watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's, um, I've got uh, five recent cases and I'm going to summarize them and set out all the facts and the and and uh, and the arguments on both sides and then it then goes to a vote as to who won so that's the quiz the quiz element is you listen to the facts and the arguments and then and then you you vote who won okay so what we can do everyone so everyone watching what we can do is when michael's done his bit we will put up um We'll put up the um, uh, the vote. Everybody can vote. I can announce the poll, and uh, and then um, uh, and then we we'll, we'll actually Michael can then reveal the answer. So it's a bit of fun. I've actually had I've actually seen an email from someone. Simon, how can I ask a question? Simon, if you go down to the bottom of the page you're on, assuming you're on Zoom, you'll see a bit that says chat. And you just have to click chat and you can just send a message and it will appear in my window. Actually, it'll appear in everyone's window. So be polite, please. And, um, uh, and, uh, and, then, I, and then if Michael hasn't seen it, I should be able to question yeah. Michael. So that's it. That's it. That's how it works. Bit of if, if, any, if anyone wants to... Sorry, Neil. That's it. If anyone wants to ask questions during the... the, the what wants to interject at any point then that's fine yeah i think so i think it's set up so i can see uh messages i think i've got this correct daniel you can send me a message could you in chat just so i can make sure i've got it correct just say hello or something someone can oh there you yeah, go I see, yeah all working excellent right okay that's good so should we go hold on should we go into the courtroom yeah right well, give me a moment I like, this is like my next trick. There we go. That's yeah. Milos! <laughs> Very good.
Yes, although we're going to ask a question later. There's actually, um, there's a slight fault with this picture, but we're going to leave that to the end. We're going to see if, if anyone's clever enough to spot the mistake, let me then, they get a free CPD certificate. Okay, Michael, should we, so you're going to start with the first question. I'm going to get my piece of paper because I like winning these things. Ah, Vinay, very good. <laughs> Hold on, Michael. See, Stephen Spooner, why didn't we play this game when I was at BL? Only with, only with me giving you facts and you guessing the outcome. Hmm. I think Stephen, I think you've been to, I think Stephen's been to some of these previously in our office because we do this in our office. Okay. Anyway, I, yeah, we have, so, we have, anyway, we have, you're right, this is the US Supreme Court because we thought it was more credible than the UK court, really. So. Anyway, there you are. Okay, good. We've got quite a lot of people watching. No pressure, Michael. No, no. no pressure. Now that Stephen Spooner's watching, I'm, I'm feeling a bit nervous. Particularly I, know nervous. I know that name. Where do I know Stephen Spooner? Was, was he a lawyer? Stephen no, he was a, he was a British lad. I thought I knew the name. Okay. But still active. Oh, Dale's in. No way. Is he? Is Dale joining us? Looks like Dale might be trying to join us from his sick bed. Looks like it. Oh, Dale, you don't know. <laughs> okay. No, he's gone. Maybe he's gone. He got, he got right, Michael, let's go. Let's go. Okay. Let's, let's hit so the I'm first. Gonna use, I'm going to use some sort of visual stuff, which may or may not work. So the first case, th th there are five cases. One's about adverse possession. The other one's about tenant insolvency. Um, One's about um, change of use. Uh, another one's about nuisance. And the last one is about um, a restrictive covenant. Uh, and they were all relatively high profile cases and all very relevant to sort of knock about landlord and tenant stuff that some of us do for a living. So the first case about adverse possession is called Thorpe against Frank. And um, it involved two... Uh, neighboring houses in york and this is the picture i don't know if you can you go back a bit go back a bit go back a bit back a bit left a bit that's it stop, stop. right so if you um mrs um mrs thorpe lived in this house number nine here and uh, mr and mrs frank lived in in that house which was number eight yeah. And uh, can you see the red line? There's a red yeah. triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So this this is Mrs. This is Mrs. Thorpe's um up, up. property. Sorry, this is Mrs. Thorpe's property here. There's a plan. I'll show you a plan. Yeah. And this is Mr. and Mrs. Frank. And this triangular property was the area in dispute where the cars parked. Okay. Yeah. Um is that car Mrs. Thorpe's? It is. Oh, and there we are again. That's um, number eight. That's number nine, Mrs. Thorpe. Mr. and Mrs. Frank, number eight. And the question is, who owns that triangular bit of land there that Mrs. Thorpe currently has her car parked on? Okay. So the story... 
Can I quickly ask something, Michael? Sorry? Can I quickly ask something? Yes. Do, 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 do the Franks um, number eight have to the road? And again, Marcus? Do in number eight have any other access to the road on that plan? No, that was their, that was their access. No, no, so yes, they did have other access, yes. Yeah. Um, because if you look here, they could, there's a fence there, there's a wall, and on the other side of the wall was their front drive. Oh, so this is just... Oh, okay, all right. So it's in front of Miss, it's in front of, it's in front of Mrs. Thorpe's house. Exactly. And there's a wall there. And yes. part of the story is that that wall was not always there. But what? on the other, on the what other side... Of, are there? Sorry? What? Are they just using it to park their car? No, Mrs. Thorpe parks her car there. And yes. on the other side is Mr. and Mrs. Frank's front drive. Oh, sorry, so whose car's that? That car's Mrs. That's Mrs. Thorpe's car in front of her house. On the drive. That red, that, on the drive, but that red land, that red triangle is disputed. So I'll tell you the story and then that might be clearer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so Mrs. Mrs. Thorpe, that, that in 1986, in fact, before 2013, there was no wall between the two properties. So it was an open, it was an open area. And in, 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 and in 1986, Mrs. Frank, Mrs. Thorpe started paving that triangular area, that disputed area. And she treated it as her own for the best part of 20 years. Um, and in 2000, or I say 17 years it was, so she treated it as her own, she paved it, it looked like it was all hers, it was in front of her, her house. But it actually belonged to Mr and Mrs Frank, it was part of their title. Does that make sense? So it was part of that triangular land, was part of Mr and Mrs Frank's title, but, it, but, but Mrs Thorpe used it. And she yeah. parked on it and she maintained it and everything. And no one objected because everyone assumed that it was in front of her house and it belonged to her. But as a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, it didn't belong to her. In, it was unregistered. And in 2013, she applied for first registration. And it was at that point, her lawyers noticed that that bit of land didn't belong to her. So that's why she built the wall. So she built that wall oh. to, di to divide her land, to, 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 to incorporate that triangular land into her drive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she then applied to, for title by way of adverse possession, by virtue of the fact that she had used this bit of land for so many years. So she applied for adverse possession and Mr. and Mrs. Frank objected. And that's what the case was about, whether or not Mr. Mrs. Thorpe had acquired, acquired title by adverse possession. Why did they object? Because it, they said it was part of their property and it had value. I mean, it had some value. And they... <laughs> Did they object once you put the wall up? 
that's when it became an issue when when she put the wall up and she applied for adverse possession it was when no one no one realized that it didn't belong to her it was only when she applied for registration that all this came out okay did the neighbors um did the neighbors ever use it no they assumed it was hers now the 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 the, the issue with the franks is that they actually didn't own the house throughout this period it belonged to mrs frank's mother so mrs frank's mrs frank's mother lived there mr and mrs frank acquired the house from mrs from the mother in 2012 and part of their how many years since the lady put the uh, she put up the fence in 2013 okay so and, and Mr. and Mrs. Frank said, but when we used to visit our mother and mother-in-law, we used to drive across that area. So you didn't have, Mrs. Frank, you did, Mrs., um, Mrs. Thorpe, you didn't have exclusive possession because we used to drive over that area when we used to go and visit our mother-in-law. That was part of the evidence that Mr. and Mrs. Frank submitted to the court, okay? So these were the issues, um, these were the arguments, okay? Mrs. Frank, Mr. and Mrs. Frank said, you can't have acquired title by adverse possession because you didn't have exclusive possession. You have to have exclusive possession. That area has only been fenced off since 2013, and that's only six years. The trial was in 2019. That's only six years. You have to have 12 years. So it's not good enough. You haven't satisfied the test. And Mrs. Thorpe said, but I've treated that area as my own. Everyone assumed it was mine. And just because it's an open area doesn't mean that I exercise control over it. The test is whether or not I exercise control, and I did, even though it wasn't fenced off. So the question was whether or not Mrs. Thorpe had acquired adverse possession. Okay. That's and, the question. It's open to the vote. There was an email came in. I, I didn't see it. Hold on. The fence went up. The fence went up. In what year did you say? 2013. So it's, it's actually not relevant. It? Hmm? Oh, it wasn't relevant. The case was held when? Last year. Okay. I've just got a QA. and a What does that mean? Hi, Neil. Can, hi, Neil. Can see meeting to oh. Oh, that's someone's okay so that's i think that's robert robert you're just watching if you want to join the meeting um and i can add you later um the um okay so so we have to go for either the homeowner miss which was mrs thorpe, mrs. thorpe. or the franks who the neighbors and who yes so, so, yeah it would be very unusual to acquire adverse possession of an open area because the whole thing about exclusive possession, it has to be closed off. So anyone could have walked over this area and did actually, and, and the Franks did use it. There was no question that they did drive over it. The question was whether she had acquired it by adverse possession, even though it was an open area. This went to the Court of Appeal, by the way. Master, can I ask you a question? Yeah. If they passed over it, right as opposed to parking on it yeah is that different in law 
yes, I'd say it is different. If they parked on it, then I don't think there was any, then I don't think she would have had a case. Okay. But she parked, she used it as her own. Okay, so we've got... They, they, yeah. Didn't the title show the triangular land as part of the title? <clears throat> um, yeah, uh, quite possibly, but that was in 2012. Okay. Okay, so what I can do now... So, Mrs. Fra Mr. and Mrs. Frank, look, Mrs. Frank's mother had had that house for donkey's years, and in 2012, they, it was in 2012 when, when Mr. and Mrs. Frank bought the house and Mrs. Frank and Mrs. Thorpe applied for registration. That's when it all came out. So seven years wasn't enough. It's the, it's the, it's the 20, 17 years before. Okay. Now, I'm going to put down here, Daniel, Doug, Marcus, Neil. Okay. So we can put up now, let's see, let's see if I can get this right. I can put up now for everybody to vote. Uh, if there's any more, unless there's any more questions. So, Michael, the, the question is: Is it a yes, no? Did she? Well, did won? she get this through adverse possession? Yes. That's the question. Well, Stephen said something. Were there any rights of way granted to the Thorpes? No. Okay. But the whole point of adverse possession is that it happens by accident. No one consents to it. No one objects to it. It just happens. Okay, so I'm going to, okay, I'm going to launch the poll now. Everyone should be able to see that. So you've got to vote. You've got to say, do you think it was, um, how do you vote actually? How do you vote? <laughs> okay, so who do you think? You've got the, you've got the, the Franks are the neighbours and the, and the, that's right, the Franks are the neighbours and the Mrs. Thorpe is the, the house, isn't it? Right, can I tell you what I think? Yeah. I think the Franks won. Uh, let's go round our, our esteemed list. Douglas, what do you think? I'm going with Franks, yes. I'm going with the Franks. Douglas is going with the Franks. Daniel? I submitted Franks. Daniel's going with the Franks. I didn't hear that. He's going with the Franks. I I submitted it into the questionnaire. Marcus? <clears throat> yeah, I think that's accidentally adverse, get this through adverse possession, therefore I think the Franks won. Okay, now, interesting enough, we've all gone to the Franks. Uh, yeah. Can you see the poll? You can, can I just check? You can't see the answer of the poll yet, can you? I can't, no. I can just see the question. Oh, I'm going to have to... You've got most people have voted. We've had... 61% have voted. Anyone more? Anyone else want to vote? Actually, I've just voted. Oh, you've just voted. Okay. Well, you can't vote. How can you vote? Well, no, that's, a, that's the only reason I've got I can get you get to see you again. Okay. So, oh, I see. You have to vote. Okay. So, I'm going to end the polling now. And uh, let's, and then I think I publish it. Okay. End polling. Go. So, who do you think, before I share the result, who thinks? Okay, well, I like the result. What the hell? Here's, here's the result. Here's the result. So fifty-six percent thought it was thought the Franks won, and forty-four percent think the Thorpes won. Okay. So that's, that's interesting, isn't it? So, Michael, Mrs. Thorpe won. No way. Way. Really? 
Mm, in the Court of Appeal. How? how Sorry? Did, how did she win? Because the court agreed with her argument that, that she exercised sufficient control that amounted to adverse possession, even though it was an open area. I thought what you said to have to, to acquire, you have to... Have, the fact that the Franks had use of the space and used Are it... They, yeah. Well, they used it because they drove over it, but it wasn't enough to... To um, it wasn't the, the it wasn't sufficient to ex that they to show that she didn't exercise control. She did. That's what the court decided. Hmm. Hmm. So you can get adverse possession over an open area, which was surprising. I said actually I said Thorpe. I didn't want to embarrass anyone. Yeah, there's a difference between use and possession. She didn't. She didn't just use it. She she treated it as her own, and and they, and and they, everyone assumed it was hers. So she therefore paved over land that wasn't hers. Correct. But they didn't block off the. If they blocked off the access or done anything or objected, that would have that would have broken the chain. That that then, the whole thing about adverse possession is that you no one objects or consents to it. It just happens. Should we move on to the next? We got four. four we got four more cases. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Very good. Um, Very good. Okay. So the single. Right, I've got. I've got another one. I'm going to skip the order. Actually, I'm going to. Um, this went to the, the Supreme Court. Right, exactly. That's exactly why I'm here. <laughs> of the UK. Um, and this is the picture. This is in Brewer Street, in Soho. And uh, there's a company called Romanis who are an ironmongers, and they actually had a, a lease, a sublease of the whole building. And uh, the two upper floors were residential, and the two middle floors were offices. Okay. And again, top floors residential offices. Two top floor. The top top two floors were residential. You can see there's like, like an attic thing. And then the two middle floors are offices. And then you had the shop on the ground floor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, and these were the facts. Uh, the leases, the lease allowed, um, the, the user clause in the lease. Can you hear me? Yeah. Who's the lease to? Yeah. The uh, the user clause in the lease allowed retail office and residential use. Um, and there was another clause in the lease that said that planning consent couldn't be applied for without landlord's consent. Such consent not to be unreasonably withheld. And uh, Romanis uh, decided to apply for planning application to use the first and second floors for residential use. So it was a planning application to get residential use. They were allowed to do it under the user provision in the lease, but to make that planning application, they needed landlord's consent not to be unreasonably withheld. And the landlord opposed the planning application. So the question was whether or not the landlord could reasonably oppose the 
planning application. Who's the landlord? Who's the other side of the um, claim? Uh, the landlord is called, uh, they're called sequent nominees. They were called something else, I'm not sure. But that, I've, I've not heard, I wouldn't, they're probably, I'm not sure where, whether they're part of anyone big. Um, so those were the facts. So the question was whether, whether or not the landlord could, could reasonably oppose. And, and, and the question is why the landlord wanted to oppose the planning application. And the reason is that the, um, if there was sufficient residential use of that building, then the tenants could apply for um, collective enfranchisement and the landlord would lose the freehold mm. in due course. And so the landlord argued that the, if planning consent was granted, then the value of its reversion would diminish as a result which is true because only because he might lose possession because whoever bought the freehold whoever acquired the freehold in the future would lo could lose the freehold so he had a, a valuable freehold which was being diminished in value by the fact by the by the prospect of this of, of collective enfranchisement and that's why the landlord opposed the planning application and the landlord said that was a reasonable objection because it was reasonable for the landlord to protect its own investment which would you which would which... I've, I've heard something in the past whereby if you do something to try and get the, get around the law yeah um then that is an that's invalid you can't can't do something to get around the law you you can't you can't gain an advantage yes, gain would, some collateral collateral advantage by refusing consent so this sounds a bit like that doesn't it that that, that I, wonder whether, I wonder whether by, yeah i wonder whether you have to ignore the fact that the by granting consent you would then fall prey of a piece of statute in terms of diminishing value well the thing the tenant's case was that uh, or the principal tenant's case was what was the purpose of this clause to prevent to to to, to control the land the tenant's planning application because the user provision was very wide. So the user provision said, well, you can use it for office, residential or retail. So there was no breach of the user provision by turning the first and second floors into residential from office. So when the lease was granted, the landlord said to the tenant, you can use this building however you want. You can use it a combination of retail office or exclusively, re exclusively residential. There's nothing to stop you doing that. And, and to say that the planning, the, 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 the restriction on planning application should be read with that other clause. So it shouldn't be a, way, a means by which the landlord can block residential use when it had allowed residential use in the user clause, okay. which is a very good argument. So you've got the landlord saying my 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 interest my investment is my, is or the value of my interest is damaged, and you've got the tenant saying, but you allowed me to 
use it for whatever I wanted. So that restriction on my planning on planning applications got to do with something else. So what, why it's the need to go into planning? This means I can't go mad and do things and, and apply for planning applications that are just bonkers. I'm, I'm going to, can I tell you what I, shall I tell you what I think before we launch the vote? This went to the Supreme Court. So you have to realise that in different courts, they, they had different decisions. So it might have been... So hold on, the landlord is... Was there provision in the lease requiring... It's Romanis is the tenant, yeah? Yes. I'm going to go for Romanis because I think it was already in the lease. It was already in the user clause that they could actually use it for residential. So it would exactly. be unreasonable to refuse consent. So I'm going with the tenant. That's me. That's me. Doug? Um, I am going. I'm following you, Neil. Yeah, I'm going with the tenant. I was wrong last time. <laughs> Daniel? I'm going with the landlord. Marcus? Yeah, landlord, I think it is reasonable to object. Okay, Richard, let's launch the poll. Let's launch it. Let's see what happens. Um, I've got to find the next slide. Uh, and here we go. Adverse possession. Uh, wait a minute. How do I how do I launch the the next poll? Um, oh, I have change of use. Here we go. Change of use. Right. Can you see that, everyone? Sequent nominees is the landlord. Oh, I've got down Hortford for some reason. Right. Yeah, that's it. Hortford. That's right. Tenant. Okay, so most people think the landlord. Okay, let's see. It's real time. It's like real time education. Look at it. Amazing, isn't it? Interesting. Hold on. I've voted. Yeah. Come on, everyone finished voting? 70% voted. We've got a few people who don't want to vote. And don't be shy. No? Okay. Oh, one more. 40 anymore? Okay, here we go. End polling. And the result is 55-45. Wasn't that the uh, Scottish referendum percentages? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? Anyway, so there, there you go, Michael. So we've got 55 going for the uh, landlord and we've got 45% going for the tenant. Yeah. So, do you also know the answer? Go on. So, in the High Court, the tenant won. In the Court of Appeal, the tenant won. And in the Supreme Court, the landlord won. So, the landlord won. Wow. Interesting. That's interesting. And that's quite a big, that's also a big case. So, what was the, what was the, um, what was the rationale then for um god it must be me bloody expensive to go all the way to the supreme court for a little shopping absolutely absolutely i mean mm. so why did they why did they uh come down on the side of the landlord was it a unanimous vote in the supreme court i don't know i doubt it no um why why because they just felt that the landlord was entitled to protect its interests, that it wasn't, you know, when you said 
was the landlord trying to gain a, a, an advantage, a collateral advantage by refusing consent when it had allowed it in the user clause? That's the court, the, the lower courts supported, were, were supported that. So I say were, were sympathetic with that view. But the, the, the Supreme Court said, no, I, we, we think the landlord's entitled to protect its interests. So it's quite a big win for a landlord, actually. Can I ask you a question, actually? Yeah. In a lower court. Right? Sorry? If you're the judge in a lower court, and then you make a ruling, and then the Supreme Court overturn it, wouldn't you be a bit cheated off that they've actually said you're wrong? Well, there's a case I'm going to come up to where where the the judge was heavily criticised. Oh, <laughs> Not heavily criticised, but was obviously was was considered to be absolutely wrong as I got the law wrong completely. Yeah. But these these cases are lotteries. I mean, they're, they're, the reason they go to trial is because it's very close. Yeah. If if it, if it's if it's open and shut, then they settle. Or even if it's your, your, most cases settle, as we know. So if it goes to trial, if it, certainly if it goes as far as, as the Supreme Court, it's very, very close. Is there a different quality of judge the higher the court you go? Well, the Court of Appeal is probably the best quality of judge. And then in the House, in the Supreme Court, it's, you don't get specialists. So you would get a property specialist in the Court of Appeal. But you wouldn't get, um, in, the, in the Supreme Court, you get a more... Um, I, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, a more, not general, uh, someone who looks at it in, in the round. The sort of people who look at Brexit, whether um, proroguing Parliament is, those are the sort of people who would look at a point like this. So they might look at it in a different way. I mean, they get the law, they only, they only spend a day looking at it. The trial, the original trial probably went on for two, three weeks. And they just look at the earlier decision and see, was it, was it right or, or did, did they follow the right legal path or, or not? Okay, someone's asked what the costs, who pays the Supreme Court costs? Whoever wins. Whoever loses would pay the other side's costs. Okay, I've got a couple of questions here. Couldn't a third party make... Oh, that's... Here, I couldn't... Have... How much would those costs be, Michael, roughly? Oh, oh it'd be hundreds of thousands. Um, couldn't a third party make the planning application and avoid the landlord's refusal? It's the same thing, isn't it? Um, a third party yeah, did. a third party could make the planning application. Yes, but what is the point? I say a third party. I mean, you know, anyone can make a planning application. Yeah, but the point is, if you, if you, if you, what this guy's saying is, if you make a plan, if someone else made the planning application. Yeah. Sorry? If you make a third party made the planning application, you don't need the landlord's, the landlord's consent. You said that the landlord, the landlord had to uh, allow planning consent such that it wasn't unreasonably withheld. Yes. So, is it Henry, I think, who said, yeah, Henry King. Henry said, if someone else made the, the application, you're not asking for landlord's consent, are you? No, you wouldn't. But I'm, I'm not quite sure how planning works, but planning works. But 
presumably, if you, if, if, if you or I applied, we get planning consent, but we can't implement it. Yeah, and then it would, then it would just, uh, you're right, then it would just wave, wouldn't it? Mm. Okay, good. Right, next. Uh, next is... Goodness, isn't it? I've got none right so far. Last time I, did, last time I got everything right. <laughs> uh, the next one is about the Tate Gallery. It, it, it was quite high profile. Um, it's called Fern Against Trustees of the Tate Gallery. And I've got a picture. So this is the viewing gallery at the Tate, at the Tate Modern. And it's overlooking uh, a block of flats. And there's a sign here which says... Please respect our neighbours' privacy. Okay. All right. It, it was a very well-known. It was a quite high-profile case um, in the last few months. So, this block of flats was built on the South Bank, okay. and uh, it's called um, Neo Bankside. Very expensive, big glass windows, no curtains. Uh, and three years later, the Tate Modern built an extension and included a viewing platform and that viewing platform overlooked the um overlooked near bankside so people would go up to the viewing platform with binoculars and and cameras and whatever and take photos of the um of, of the of the residents uh and four flat owners said that that was a um uh breach of their uh, was an invasion of privacy was a nuisance and um uh and contravened Article 8 of the Human Rights Act, which guarantees privacy, apparently. Um, so they applied for an injunction to close the platform, um, or close part of the platform, the part of the platform that overlooked their, their flats. Um, and uh, the Tate Modern uh, responded by putting that sign up, which said, please respect our neighbor's privacy. And they also um, put guards up security guards up to, to stop to patrol the platform to stop people taking photos and, and using binoculars but of course that's not um, uh, that doesn't it's not a guarantee that, that, that it wouldn't happen so the question was whether or not um, well the actual question um, was whether or not there was a uh, um, the, 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 the flat owners should be granted this injunction and whether the, the public gallery amounted to a nuisance, an actionable nuisance. All right, so the, um, the arguments were um, in, in, the, in the flat owner's um, favor um, that, that it was a nuisance because they couldn't live their normal lives because of this, um, uh, because of uh, of the, uh, the 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 spying on them, um, and uh, they were there first, so the gallery was built afterwards. It wasn't as if the flats were built subsequently. The gallery came afterwards, and yeah. and the gallery is a major um, uh, and has been intrusive. So that was there, and and the the, the nuisance and that the the lack of loss of privacy amounted to a nuisance. Okay, we've got planning. Yes, okay. yes, but planning, get, a planning plan doesn't mean anything really. It doesn't prevent a, a private action. Um, uh, and um, whether or not they objected to planning, who knows, but they, maybe they didn't appreciate 
the, the consequences of this gallery. But, um, uh, and they also said it breached their human rights. Okay, so the Tate Modern said, well, it's not a nuisance. There's no such thing as, as, a, a, as a, a right to privacy. As a, it's not a nuisance. You can have noise, you can have uh, disruption, you can have, that's a nuisance. But loss of privacy is not, you're not causing a nuisance. There's no, there's nothing that, if they'd been chucking stones, I suppose that would have been a nuisance, but they weren't, or making a huge noise, that would have been a nuisance. But just looking at something can't be a nuisance. What can they put curtains on? Why didn't, well, they didn't. Because these were massive great windows and it was a very modern, modernistic, futuristic block and still is. Um, so the Tate said, look, we've made, we've taken some mitigating measures. We've done our best, we, but we can't completely stop it. Um, and, um, and as a matter of law, it's not a nuisance. So that's the question, or the question is, did they get their injunction? That's a brilliant example. This went to the court, this went to the court of appeal and is being appealed again to the Supreme Court, by the way. So I can only give you the court of appeal answer. Their defense was that it's a breach of the Human Rights Act. Sorry? Their defence was this is a breach of the Human Rights Act. Their argument was that they said it was a breach of the breach. They they invoked Article Eight of the Human Rights Act. Yes. European law, which talks about privacy. And it's European law, isn't it? The Human Rights Act. Is it, is it European law or is it UK law? That's EU. That's um. Well, it's it's EU, but it's a it's it's the Human Rights Act, which is in part which is incorporated into UK law. Now, uh, it's been very it has been publicised. The the Court of Appeal case was in February. Hmm. Hmm. I would have thought. No, hold on, it must it must have hinged on whether looking at someone is a nuisance. That's what it hinged upon. Looking through glass at someone is a nuisance. Is it a nuisance? Yeah, that's what it hinged on, really. I mean, it's not really a nuisance. It's more privacy, privacy problem, I guess. It is. A, well, is it a nuisance? Hmm. That, that was the discussion. Was it is privacy a nuisance or is it just a privacy problem? And should they be should they have their privacy protected? Okay, I, okay. I've been to loads of office buildings where you can see very easily into the building next door. You can see at their desk. My screen's frozen. Oh, okay. I'll come back. It's, it's because we've got. It's just. Oh, can you hear us? Yeah, no, I can now. Yeah, I can see. I've been to loads of office buildings where you can see into the building quite clearly and you can see what people are doing at their desk so if the ten if the occupiers were what were to have won this this would have been in, been imposed everywhere and i think i think therefore that i'm going to go with the tate for that reason because 
they could easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they could easily have put up a. They might not have liked to put up a curtain. They didn't. No one's asking for to have no clothes on. So I think it would uh, mean that all you know, all the buildings in Canary Wharf, and um, you, could see, you could see half the buildings in the West End. So I I think um, I think I'm going to go with the Tate. That's me. I'm going with the Tate. Just in response to that, of course, this was a block of flats, not an office. Yeah, I know, but it's the same principle, isn't it? I mind you, the Tate came later, didn't they? I, th I think. Um... You know, with rights and light and everything, the standard's always different for residential. Actually, I'm the actually or, actually, I don't know the answer, or could you argue that it causes a diminished diminution in value? Is that have any relevance? Um, well, if they had a, they were claiming an injunction, they weren't claiming damages, but if they could claim an injunction, they could claim damages as well, actually, I guess. Why not? If they'd won. No, what I'm saying is, if they, if, <laughs> if they, if they won, if the Tate. But they won, may not have won. Go on, go for a vote. I'm going for the Tate. Um, I think their mitigation measures sounded pretty, pretty realistic and practical. Um, so I think I'll go with the Tate. Daniel. Eight. Eight. Marcus? I've got sympathies on both sides. I can see arguments for both, but I think the law will come down on the side of the Tate that, that someone looking from a platform at another building is not a nuisance. This is Burn versus Tate. Launch. Isn't it good? This Zoom is very good, isn't it? Here we go. Under starters orders. Oh look. Oh there's a lot there's a lot going to the Tate Gallery. Must all be patrons. <coughs> we must have a very wealthy crowd today. <laughs> Any more? I know my dad come on. I know my dad's watching, he's always watching. Any more? No? End of polling. Here we go. Very interesting. This, this is the first one where there's, look at that, 71% for the taste. Look that. Can you see that, everyone? Very good. Can everyone see that? Yeah. Okay, so 71% for the taste. Go on, tell us we're all wrong. Uh, the Tate one. Ah! And for what re for the reason being? Well, that's the question. That's the good point, because this was in the Court of Appeal. And in the High Court, the judge, Judge Mann, M-A-N-N, said that privacy could, loss of privacy could be a nuisance. So it said that it was possible that the, 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 the flat holders were right. It was possible they were right. So loss of privacy is a nuisance, but in this case, they said it wasn't. And actually the judge said, why don't you just put curtains up? And that was a comment made in the judgment. It then went to the court of the, the, the flat owners then appealed to the court of appeal and the court of appeal said that the judge was wrong in saying that privacy, loss of privacy could be a nuisance. So the court of appeal found for the Tate 
but said that the judge was wrong in saying that loss of privacy could be a nuisance, said it couldn't be a nuisance. So the, the, the Court of Appeal upheld the High Court decision, but, for, but, but said that the High Court judge was wrong to say that it was even possible that loss of privacy could be a nuisance. Does that make sense? Yeah. Can you go straight to the Court of Appeal and cut out the High Court? <laughs> uh, you can uh, you, you can agree to yeah but the yeah. other they, but the the flat holders have appealed to the supreme court mm. so that the, it's not finished yet interesting mm. okay so we've been going on now this is very michael i knew you let you're a great what a great guest you are what a great guest i've got two more should do you want to carry on yeah i mean well i i, I would say i've got to get into my office but i'm already here <laughs> Um, all right, the, the, the next case is about debenhams. Okay. It's, the, it's the insolvency case. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, and I've got a picture here, which is debenhams and Mike Ashley. <laughs> right. So, um, debenhams went into a company voluntary arrangement um, last May. They're now, of course, in administration. So this is slightly, this is slightly academic. Um, and in, as is usual in these company voluntary arrangements, all the suppliers were to be paid in full under the voluntary arrangement. But landlords' claims, landlords' um, uh, interests would be compromised. So landlords were divided up into five categories, and depending on the profitability of each store or the performance of each store. Um, they were divided up into um, um, what the best category they were going to be paid, the rents were going to be paid in full. The worst category, they were going to be closed down by January 2020. And the ones in the middle, there were certain disc, they were receiving, the landlords would receive discounted rents between 25 and 50%, depending on performance. Um, and one of the other features of the CVA, which is very, which is you find in most CVAs. And the other one unique feature of this CVA was that landlords were not allowed to forfeit the leases if Debenhams defaulted. Why? How do you... So if they didn't pay any of their rents or if they didn't, if they breached any of their lease covenants, the landlords couldn't forfeit. How? How can you do that? Well, that's what the CVA said. And the CVA was to last for five years. I didn't know you could do that. Well, that's what they tried to do. You can put anything in a CVA as long as you just got to get it voted on. And so you have to have 75% in value of creditors voting for the CVA. And that's what happened. In fact, I think it was about 98% of, of, of the in value of all Debenhams creditors voted for the CVA. So once they voted for it, it was binding all the provisions were binding on all the or on all the creditors who were entitled to participate. So all the land, even the landlords who voted against, were stuck with the CVA because that's how the CVA works, and that included this non-forfeiture provision. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, Mike Ashley had wanted to buy Debenhams, so he was. Um, 
the CBA, of course, thwarted his bid to buy Debenhams from the administrators. So he wanted the company to go into administration, and then he'd buy it on the cheap, which is what he did with Jack Wills and what have you. So he wanted to do that with Debenhams. So the, the CBA uh, prevented him doing that. So a number of disgruntled landlords, there were a number of disgruntled landlords who felt particularly hard done by by this CBA. And he funded their litigation, which was this litigation, um, to challenge the CBA, to have the CBA set aside on the basis that it was unfairly prejudicial to them. Okay. Can I just, can I just, can I just ask you something? On a CBA, Every, yes. every creditor gets an equal vote. Is that right? Say that again. Every creditor gets the same, gets an equal vote. With you. No. Oh, okay. Well, that wrong then. No, their, their vote is by reference to the amount they're owed. Oh, is it a percentage then? So if you're, so, the more you're owed, the more votes, the more, the more percentage of the vote you get. Exactly. But what about landlords? Same with the same with landlords? The rent, does the rent in, is included? It's future rent. It could be quite a large sum then. But the landlord could, could, the landlord could easily hold the sway. It, does that vary from one CBA to another? Is that, is that if you decide that when you actually apply for CBA? Or is that they, board? When they apply for CBA, they work out what everyone's going to be owed and they'll work out whether they think they're going to get landlord approval or not and landlords votes do count for something it's normally valued about a year's future rent they don't value the the whole term the remainder of the lease they'll they'll give it they'll give a landlord credit for about a year's rent hey, look, but david has said i think there's a provision in liquidation value the entire liability under the lease in establishing the claim does the same apply in administration what's that there is a provision in a liquidation to value the entire liability under the lease in establishing a claim that's it same apply in administration well the administration has got to pay the rent haven't they no it, in terms of quantifying a claim in administration it's the same as a liquidation if you if you're claiming an, as an unsecured creditor but but in a CVA, your, your, your claim is valued for the purposes of voting. So they, they don't do a massive exercise of, it's not a particularly scientific exercise. They generally say, we'll give you, we'll give you credit for a year's future rent. And, um, and, uh, and, but most landlords vote for, for these things because it's better than the company going into administration and the, and the stores closing. So they vote for it anyway, most of them. So the case here, the case here is whether the CBA prejudiced the landlord's interest. Unfairly prejudiced. Right, so shall I give you the arguments? Yeah. Right, so the landlord said that this is a five-year CBA. You're reducing, you're paying all your suppliers, but you're reducing landlords rents and also and the, the way you've reduced them is quite arbitrary so why should debenhams in worcester why should the rent be reduced by 45 percent what but what where's the market where are the comparables to say that that is the market rent for a debenham store in worcester it's just an arbitrary figure 
and in administrations if you occupy you pay rent full rent for the period of occupation and that should that principle should be applied to cvas as well when the stores are trading uh, and this right this this right to forfeit can't you can't take away a right to forfeit which exists in every single lease everywhere you can't just take it away arbitrarily it's it's just not um it's it's unlawful effectively okay so that was the landlord's argument and 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 they said that this debenham cva is even worse than most cvas so the supervisor's case so this is the cva supervisor said that a cva is all about corporate rescue as in administration it's all about corporate rescue so what's more important is the survival of the company as a going concern of the business as a going concern and the business can't continue can't survive with rents that are too high that it can't afford to pay in fact one of the reasons it's become insolvent is because the rents are too high the rates are too high and that's why landlords and local authorities take take the biggest um hits and we have to pay our suppliers in full because if we don't pay our suppliers in full we won't be supplied with anything and if we aren't supplied with anything then we can't trade and then the business can't survive so it's more important that the business survives than landlords take uh, rent um, discounts and that unprofitable store, stores have to close. And furthermore, during the CVA, for the company to survive, it's a very difficult period, fragile. The company's in a fragile state, the business is fragile, so they shouldn't have the threat of forfeiture hanging over them if they pay the rent a bit late or they do something, something goes wrong. They shouldn't have that threat of forfeiture hanging over them. It's, it, 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 it's contrary to this corporate rescue principle. So those were the two counter arguments. Is this property? Sorry? Is this property law? Well, yes and no, because it's how insolvency law and property law clash. Because you can't vary a lease. Taking out a forfeiture provision, for example, or reducing rent, you have to vary a lease to do that, don't you, normally? Yes. And here you have CVAs, which are imposed on, on, our, on, on everyone by the Insolvency Act, take a varying leases and varying arrangements between landlords and tenants without consent in some cases and it's just imposed without any variation of the document so it's how insolvency law brushes up against conflicts with property law okay so, so really why, i mean i can't remember but so Devlin went into they went into cva then they went into administration didn't they well they've now gone into administration so this is probably now irrelevant it was, but, but we would have, I think we would have heard of Mike. I mean, I know it's, we would have heard had Mike Ashley won. I don't remember hearing that Mike Ashley had won. Well, no, he funded the landlords who challenged the CVA. I mean, whether he now buys the business, I don't know. But it, only, know. Went, it only went bust two weeks ago. I won't call him. I don't know who... Um... 
so so the question is whether the challenge the cba challenge was upheld on the grounds that it was unfairly prejudicial to the landlords i'm going to say okay I'm going to say um, so who's, who the defendants was. It was Mike Ashley. Debenhams against who? Mike. It was uh, Discovery Northampton, who was one of the landlords, against Debenhams Retail, and it was in the High Court. Let's go. Let's go in reverse order. Marcus. Marcus is clever. I am going to go with the CVA. Okay. You're going with the, you're going with the, the, um, you're going with evidence. Daniel? I'm going with evidence as well. Yeah, going with the CVA with evidence. I'm, I'm also going to, I'm going to go with evidence as well because Quite, I must be honest with you, I've always found this CVA lark a bit confusing. You know, when you get this list of rents and, um, um, yeah, recordings are available. Yes, recordings will be able to send you. You're very good. Um, I'm going to go with evidence. I think there must be a law relating to CVAs, which it, the law is the law, and um, whether it's unfair or Party. It's just I don't think that actually um, you know, that actually wouldn't actually change the result. But I'm going to go for dividends as well. Right. Let's, let's do the poll. Do the poll. So this is Discovery Northampton. Yeah. Um, dividends. Everyone's going for, oh, most Debenhams is winning. Oh, no, yep. Okay, are we done? Come on, no more, any more, any more, any more. Let's put the hand up, what does that mean? Andrew, Andrew's put his hand up. Andrew, do you want to talk? Andrew. Andrew's put his hand up. Allowed to talk. Do we allow Andrew to talk? Andrew. Oh. No? He's muted. He's muted at the moment. I'm mute. Oh well. Robert, you want to talk? You want to say something? Maybe back to them. Robert? Robert? Yeah, hi, can you hear me? Oh, it's Robert. Hello, Robert. We can How hear you. <laughs> right. Can I just end the poll? Shall I end the poll? Is, is, is your hand at this? I'm, I'm, I'm happy to enter the poll. I put it on, on, on Facebook as well, on the CBA difference. Um, right. Is your question, do you want to say something about the poll before I publish the poll? Yeah. I. Well, the poll I actually answered on the Facebook. I did it on that poll as well. Okay. CVA. CVA. All right, let's end the poll. Right, let's end the poll. Share the, and the result is 
100% go for Debenhams. Michael? Um, okay, so um, the court, the High Court decided that um, it was not unfairly prejudicial to the landlord. It was obviously prejudicial, but it wasn't unfairly prejudicial. But the forfeiture um, provision was taken out of the CVA. No, the CVA went through but without the um, the the um, protection. Without, but it took away the prohibition against forfeiture. Okay. Now, at the time of writing, the landlords were appealing to the Court of Appeal, and the the supervisor of the CVA cross appeal in relation to that provision about forfeiture wanted the provision for forfeiture the, the the prohibition against forfeiture wanted that reinstated in the cva so there was an appeal underway but that presumably has gone now that debenhams are in administration yeah okay all right but that that last point about forfeiture it was a, it was a small win for the landlord but it was it's quite significant so you won't find those in any future CVAs, I wouldn't have thought. Interesting. Okay. These guys put their hands up. Let's have a look. Robert, do you want to say anything other than hello? Hello. Is that it? Is that <laughs> well, it? Just this thing, really. No, it's very good. So, I mean, it's uh, interesting. It's a unique case, though, with Debenhams. Yes. And that's the difference with the CVA. Uh, and that would be more like a test case, I think. Okay. All right, right. I'm going to mute you now. That's 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 um. Wait a minute. Uh, uh, and Andrew, it's very clever, this, isn't it? How I can bring people in. Right. Let's go. Right. So last one. Yeah. The thing about CVAs is that a lot of landlords object to them, and they threaten to litigate, but they never actually go to court. And this was the first time that anyone, as as well in a long time, that anyone's taken one of these high-profile retail CVAs to court and the only reason they did it was because they were funded by Mike Ashley to do it. If they had been self-funding I doubt they would have done. They would have just swallowed the bitter pill. Mm. Okay. Okay so the last oh, case. Let me see if I've got any, let me see if I've got any um, last comments. Hold on. Oh well, here's one. We come back to it. Oh we can come back to this later. That some of the people want free advice. I have a field that I allow a farmer to use to put his cattle in, but I also use it to dump grass in. Does first possession come into play here? No, 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 definitely not. No, so Mark Robinson, that's the uh, charge for that. How much because you've allowed if you've allowed the farmer in, then that can't be adverse possession. You've done it with your consent, okay. so, so it's a license, effectively, it's a license. Okay, hundred quid. Hundred quid. Yeah. Send you a bill. Hundred quid. Twenty percent to sing of you, right? Uh, <laughs> okay. um, last the last case. I'm. I'm now taking up. We've been. Where have we been? To York. We've been to Soho. We've been to Southampton. The South Bank. Yeah. We've been. We've been to Debenhams, and we've been to. Um, we're now in Berkeley Square. Oh, right. And um, 
this is uh, your you Neil will be very um, this will be close to your heart because it concerns Annabelle's nightclub. Yes, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm never ne never a weekend where I'm never a weekend I'm not there. Right, so Annabelle's nightclub is at number forty six Berkeley Square, and um, and this is a picture of forty six and 45 and Annabelle's as you know is owned by a company run by Richard Caring yeah and the bloke in the suit is Simon Hallaby who's a well-known oh I remember him property person yeah okay so he owned or his company owned 45 Berkeley Square or had a lease of 45 Barclays Square. Hold on, someone's phoning me. He had 45 and... Right, and, uh, and, and that company was called, is called Barclays Square Investments. So the case is called Barclays Square Investments against Barclays Square Holdings. Okay? Annabelle's, Annabelle's was next door? Annabelle's is at number 46. Okay. Right. And... They share the same landlord. So Barclay Square Holdings is the landlord, I think, of that whole side of the, of the square. So they've got about 90 tenants. And um, one of them is at 45 is Simon Hallaby, who has the whole building. Uh, and um, it was the, the, there was a restriction uh, in, the, in that lease, in the four, number 45 lease, that restricted the use to office and residential. Um, and Simon Hallaby obtained planning permission for a private members club. So he wanted to turn 45 Barclay Square into a club, just like Annabelle's, which was next door. Um, and he said to his landlord, Barclay Square Holdings, I've got planning permission, I want you to widen the user covenant so that I can use the um, the, the, the building as a club and the landlord said no he didn't want it as a club so um, Simon Hallaby applied to the upper tribunal to have the covenant in the lease modified under section 84 of the law of property at 1925 so you can have who was the restrictive covenant to the benefit of the landlord, because the landlord said, "You can only." It was it was a restrictive covenant. It wasn't. It was in the lease. It was a covenant in the lease, which was deemed to be a restrictive covenant because it restricted the use to planning uh, to, to to residential and office. So, what was his grounds? Who wasn't he trying to get nightclub use? You got nightclub use. You got nightclub use. He didn't have. He wanted nightclub use, but he couldn't have nightclub use because the lease prevented it. He got planning for it though. But he got planning. He got planning, but he didn't have the right under the lease to use it as a nightclub. What was his defence? What was his case? So he said, "Well, okay, I'll tell you why the landlord objected in a minute." So. Um, 
he said that um, that the restriction was obsolete because the modern West End there's room for for nightclubs. It shouldn't just be office and residential. You know, Barclay Square is an old square, but you've got Annabelle's next door. You've got other clubs and what have you. So the claw, the restriction was obsolete, and that it would be reasonable for that um, for that covenant to be relaxed, to be modified. So on the one hand, it was obsolete. Secondly, it was it would be reasonable to relax the um, uh, the covenant. And the landlord objected because he said, I, there are too many nightclubs around here. So you, you use the same argument, but in a different way. You use the same facts, but in a different way. So Hallaby said, there are loads of nightclubs around here. We, we need more nightclubs. And, mm. and the landlord said, there are too many nightclubs around here. I don't want any more. Mm. And, the, um, and Annabelle's would suffer and well why would that bother the landlord because the landlord received a turnover rent from that annabelle's so if, um, land, if annabelle's business declined as a result of the competitor next door then the landlord would receive less rent and that was the landlord's principal objection their user clause did they have to so there was an estate management reason and there was a, a a real financial reason why the landlord would didn't want hallaby did, did, they have, did they have to unreasonably withhold? Um, did they have to unreasonably withhold consent? Would no. The user, so they could they could reason that they could they could just there was no reasonable test. No, because this wasn't under the lease. This is under the the section eighty four of the Law and Property Act. So you go to the court, you go to the upper tribunal, and you argue why the covenant should be modified. And the landlord said, "I don't want it modified because." It's not obsolete. It's perfectly appropriate to have that covenant still there. It's not as if the, the, the neighbourhood has changed. Well, it has changed. He, doesn't, he didn't want it to change for the worse. Um, and he said, it's entirely reasonable for me to say no. And for this covenant to be, all, for, it's entirely reasonable for this covenant to be maintained and, 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 and to remain as, well, I as in the lease. So I've never come, I mean, I, when we're selling buildings, we often come across situations where there's some sort of uh, covenant and somebody may get insurance to, um, you know, because often, often the covenants are to the benefit of someone who they can't find anymore. So you often get a title indemnity policy, don't you, to cover the event of somebody suddenly claims that they've got the benefit of a restriction. Yeah. But I've not come across a situation where where an insurer or someone says, well, there might be a restriction, but it's actually not really relevant. I've always, I've always had it that restrictions are restriction, blanket. So I'm gonna go with Barclays Square Holdings. I, I, I don't see why they've got the benefit of restrictions, so be it. I don't think, I've, I've not come across myself a reasonableness test. So I'm gonna go with the Barclays Square Holdings. Right, which is the landlord. Barclays Square Holdings, the landlord. Yeah. 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 Doug? I'm going with Hall I'm going with Hallaby. Oh, why are you going with Hallaby? Well, I think the landlord's being uncompetitive and therefore unreasonable. But I don't know if that matters. Yeah. I think he's being unreasonable. I'm not sure that matters. Anyway, go on. Let's we'll find out. Doug, Daniel. Um, yeah, I'm going with the landlord. I think he's made reasonable estate management grounds. Landlord, Daniel. I'm going with Hallaby. I met him years ago, actually. Um, right. 
let's let's launch the next poll. Right, the last one. Um, I actually thought when you said when he said Barclays Square Investments, I thought you were talking about Mark Michon. Anyway, there you are. Right, here we go. Who won? So Barclays. Let's just let's just get this clear for everyone. Barclays Square Investments is Mr. Hallaby, and yeah. Barclays Square Holdings is the landlord. All right. So that's who you're voting for. Right, nearly done. Any more? Any more votes? Are we all done? Okay, and poll, share results. Here we go. So we've got 68% Lord, and 32% with Mr. Hallaby. Well, Mr. Metley. Oh yeah, sorry, I, I was. Sorry. Well, obviously, none of you have been to Simon Hallaby's new nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know that Annabelle's moved next door, didn't they? They moved down the road. That that was the reason I voted Hallaby. <laughs> uh -huh. oh. They won. He won. Yeah, but... <clears throat> well, for, okay, That's how I knew. Is the logic? What is the logic behind it? Well, um, well, on the facts, as it was, it was on the facts presented that the um, the tribunal thought actually that they couldn't see how the landlord would be, how 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 the the, the nightclub would be detrimental to the landlord because they they thought, you know how you have, um, you know like furniture shops all near to each other. And you think well, that, that, that yeah. one would compete with the other, but they felt that, that having a nightclub next to Annabelle's would help Annabelle's, which is a bit weird. Well, funnily enough. But I they mean, couldn't the see any, any, any real downside for the landlord. They also thought that the, the, the neighbourhood could, could absorb another nightclub. They didn't see it was such a problem. <laughs> but funnily enough, the way Annabelle works anyway is a strict membership policy. So that argument, I guess, somewhat... There's a grey area there, I think, because um, the way the customer, the, the way the customers work, are so different. Right, Andrew's put so Andrew. Who's Andrew? Andrew's put his hand up. Andrew, Andrew, you can say something. Andrew, he's put his hand up. He's obviously. I'm. Come on, don't be shy. No, but it is. I can't unmute him. Mm. Um, I would have thought that would have gone gone further. That would have been appealed because um, I think the way the I presented the facts and the way it was presented, you would have thought the landlord would have won in that case. Actually, yeah, but which okay, I um. Okay, so that's it. Okay, everyone watching, uh, there, who got, did anybody get five out of five? Be honest. Come on, get five out of five. Anyone? Come on, put your name, type your name in the chat if you got five out of five. 
No, there's a free investment sale coming. No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, did anybody get four? We've got Marcus and Daniel both got four. I've got four, yeah. Yeah. What's the prize? Is there a prize? Oh, we hold on, we've got some hands up. Hold on, I've got some hands up. Graham Harvey. Adam. Adam. How do I do this? Allow to talk. Unmute. Adam. 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 Oh, maybe it's maybe maybe the mute's at his end. I can't get him to say anything. Well. Okay. It looks like it looks like. Um, Adam, I think he's. I think it looks like Adam is saying. Oh, here we go. Simon Kitchen got three. Vinny got most of them wrong. Robert got two. I got two. It's interesting, isn't it? Very interesting, Michael. Well, it's not. I don't think it's wrong or right because these are, as I said, they're very close. Yeah. But the problem is, you spend a fortune going to court, and it's a lottery. It is a lottery. That's so that's why you shouldn't go to court. Yeah. Well, they always say the lawyers are the winners, don't they? My lord. Do you ever stand up in court? So have I. Do you ever stand up there? <laughs> I always thought you a bit like um are you are you more a Harvey Spectre or a Rumpole of the Bailey? Would you, what would, who are you more like? <laughs> um well, does Harvey, did he appear in court, Harvey Spectre? He was everywhere. Yeah, goddamn, yeah. I goddamn did. That's what he always says. More like Perry Mason. Perry Mason, who's he? Who's his name? Oh, there you are. Is that, is that old? Yeah. Um, I've got a question. One last question from Simon Kitching. He says... He says, let's have a look here. He says, right, given the government has stopped lease forfeiture, is the tool of the statutory winding up order for non payment of rent too blunt a tool, or would it be successful? Well, I know the answer. I'm going to give, I think I know the answer to that. Notwithstanding, my relationship with the tenant is not going to be great. That's what he's saying. So basically, Simon's saying, is a statutory winding up order too blunt a tool? For the tenants who don't pay their rent, as as opposed yeah. to doing, it. I mean that's what, I mean, that's what the Sunday Times reported Asif Aziz's doing, which I gather was a bit unfair actually, um, serving statutory winding up orders on tenants who wouldn't pay their rent. But these I, th I heard that it was from big companies rather than small companies. I think Simon actually mentioned that to me. So do you think it's too blunt at all? No. You can still you can still do it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 we're, we're, we're doing it. Well, we, we, we're serving stat, stat demands and stuff like that. But um, the only thing is that the court, the court timetable is completely delayed 
firstly there are no hearings and it there are there there are very big delays on getting uh dates hearing dates but it's a big so serving a stat demand threatening winding up is, is a big threat and and you can still do it yeah the only principal restriction now is 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 forfeiture where um where where your tenants closed because of the virus well i tell you what we're i tell you what we are advising clients to do we're going to do this on a sale that we hope to launch next week is we are suggesting that there's a rent guarantee in the contract for a period of time the coronavirus restrictions are on because otherwise you try and sell an investment and your 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 buyer so it's all very well but if the tenant doesn't actually pay me there's nothing i can do i'm not going to get my income so i think that people selling property today should provide a rent guarantee for a period of time to cover that situation so that's what that's what we're advising clients who want to sell at the moment i think it's quite a good idea actually um, yeah it won't last forever but it just gives a bit of to the income doesn't it okay that's great michael hour and a half you're a star an hour and a half cpd that's a question of, what's Robin your an hour. Have to have a whip round. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my, my backdrop is the view from my office. That's that's my office window. Where and is that where you where you use your binoculars? If I look over tower, if I look behind me in my office, I can see that picture I took is Tower Bridge from, okay. from the window in my office. And if I look to my left, I can see them take modern. So, you, and so, you, so you, you're one of the blokes with the telescope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. That's it. Well, that was great. A bit of light relief to bring a smile to everybody. Thank you very much, Michael. Well, we can, yes, thank you. We can finish with some star jumps if you want. Michael. Look at that. <laughs> Bye, Stephen. Oh, enough, 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 enough. Enough. Okay, thank you, Michael. That was great. Okay, everyone. So, look, I hope you all enjoyed that. Um, we do these. Oh, I've got a question. Last question for you. Let's just have a look. One last question. Is that rent held in escrow, BB? Um, no, not necessarily. It depends. It depends who the guarantees from, actually. Well, the one we'll be selling next week, we're not going to pay people. Right. Depends on your preference. As long as you can protect the income to the purchaser. That's my view. Personal view, anyway. Okay, so, Michael, thank you very much. That was really good. Hour and a half. So, remember, everyone, we try and do these things quite regularly, particularly at the moment. Um, our plan for the next CPD, if we can get it in in the next couple of weeks, is we wanted to do PR. Um, I'm hoping to line up someone in PR, and the idea being PR scores and PR own goals. And there's been, a, I won't give too much away now, but there's certainly been some companies who've scored own goals, as far as I can see, in the last few weeks, and some who've come out of it really well. So um, we would, if anyone's interested in joining as a, if you've got some expertise in PR, we'd love to hear from you. And you'll be very welcome. So that's it, guys. Michael, thank you very thank much. You. Thank you very much. All right, that was really good. Um, I owe you. A, I owe you. A
All right. Thanks for your time. Really good, as always. All right. Yeah. See first, you. Bye-bye. Doug, thanks very much. Marcus, thanks very much. Daniel, thanks very much. Anybody needs a CPD certificate, give us a call. Send it across to you. Any questions? And if you want to meet Michael, you want an introduction to Michael, let me know and we'll be delighted. Okay. Have a nice Friday. <laughs>